Abe here, and I wanted to let you know that if you're able, you can upgrade your small beans skill over at patreon.com slash small beans. Here's why you should do that. If you pledge five measly beans a month, you get access to about half our podcasts that you don't get if you're just listening to the free feed. Shows include Star Trek The Next Futurama, Spielboys, Like Razor Blade Pie, and bonus episodes of I'll Show You Mine If You Show Me Yours. Not to mention bonus content, including info and updates on the movie we're making, Papa Bear. Hey, where's all the reasons to not subscribe to Patreon? I can't find them. Anyway, back to the show. It munched a pup. Now he's sleepy and his head is smeared with blood and cum. So tell me when you're gonna let him in. This car's become a doggy bag filled with your children. And if you fucked your neighbor, you deserve it. Tad, don't joke, you chode. You know that could just curb it. You're the toy in this kid's meal, you Kermit. Hun, why don't you go feed your son to Cujo? To feed your son to Cujo. Cujo. <laughs> yes. yes. Kings of King. That was delightful. It was, yeah, it was a bitchy dog. But, but we got it out. <laughs> I just be- wanted it to be close enough that people go, I know what song that's supposed to be. That's the goal. The big <laughs> hope. You know... I, I thought it was beautiful. I thought, I think Cujo. I think Cujo. It it is. He's he's just trying to find a little treat. You know, that's all I, he's doing in his brain. He's just trying to have a little good time. Yeah, dude. Well, I'll drop. Um, so Abe Epperson there, Michael Swaim here, Kings of King all around you, Cox around, and Cox around. we're here to talk about Cujo today. We talk about anything adapted from the works of Stephen King, and usually I would save this for a later portion, but I think it makes sense based on what Abe just said, mm. um, and it's like encapsulated itself. Man, I read the book as a kid. I barely remember it, but I do remember that at least from the beginning, like the getting the rabies part is from the dog's point of view. And all I can say is, if you are the kind who inhabits the animal's point of view, it's much sadder. If it's just Jaws, if the dog is not a human equation part to you, like you don't care that he has rabies, he's just Jaws, it's it's pretty much like, will they survive or won't they? Don't breathe, like with even less of a twist, just a hook Mm -hmm. of a premise. If you think about the dog's point of view at all or if you own a dog it's way sadder to me you're like oh and the dog uh, like he doesn't want to be doing this he's he just w- a, yeah, he wants his little treats. And terrified and yeah. his brain is yeah god that's because then you get the layer of what is it like to lose your mind right yeah exactly Which is spooky um, i mean i yeah. that, i immediately thought when i was watching it i like stopped i paused the movie and uh in, in my head i was just thinking about like to have rabies like to me like to have rabies to have rabies <laughs> uh to, to suddenly just be like i wanted to 
I want to do this. And everything about everything inside me is saying, do this one thing. Uh, it's pretty and, close to zombie mode. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I want, uh, I, I want to hear the narrations of the dog where he's just like, and then I was going to do that. Just voiceover <laughs> Cujo is that that's all I'm really saying. Sure. I uh, want Brad Neely to do an audiobook read along of Cujo's Cujo. thoughts. These the impossible yeah. fuckers. <laughs> These fuckers locked in their kitty car. <laughs> I foamed once more. People, oh, the wine Most talks. people will not know what we're referencing. Um, yeah. If you are a comedy and a Harry Potter fan, well, or hate Harry Potter and love it's comedy, fine. Yeah. check out Wizard People, dear readers. We digress. Um, mm. Let's get into format. How do we do that, Abe? Uh, this is our first segment where we basically give a synopsis in the movie. It's called Under the Dome. Our best guess puts the dome at 20,000 feet, sir. Did he just call it a dome? You think we might be stuck in here a while? Speaking of losing your mind, factoid that I think should color the entire episode. Stephen King has multiple times said, although he didn't say it around the press at the time, he said it years later. So maybe it's a story that his own mind concocted. We all of us tell our tales. But his current going story is that he was so deep in his alcoholism while he wrote Cujo that it's the one book that he doesn't remember writing a whit of it. It was all during blackouts. He's just like, he's just, he's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking that. Uh, oh, I wrote that. Cool. Yeah. I write a lot, dude. In fact, since you <laughs> mentioned it, the original novel, uh, which I have read neither of these novels, but it's apparently uh, for the Kingheads, a sequel of sorts uh, for the Dead Zone. If you remember Dead Zone, the main character, Frank Dodd, uh, spoilers, was killed and he becomes kind of a boogeyman in Castle Rock. And it's the foundation, one of the first itemized kind of canons that we actually see in the Steven verse. Yes. Because and more apparently, than a, yeah. less than a sequel, I'd say it's more of him building his shared universe canon yeah. thing. Yeah. Right, right. So more on that later if we care to speak about it. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I could do the, I'll at least launch the synopsis because it's, Man, you don't yeah, get more straightforward. It mm-hmm. is novel length, but it's intentionally simple and powerful and trying to be like mm-hmm. Jaws, if Jaws was a dog, right? But uh, even, a, even a weak person can usually survive a dog, most dog situations. Um, not always, but, you know, you got to stack the deck a little in the dog's favor. Mm-hmm. So this movie starts with the dog, Cujo, played by St. Bernard in the film version. Uh, multiple St. Bernards, of course, but I mean, that's the breed that you should imagine in your mind's eye. And in fact, from its POV, as it wanders around a field, it chases a rabbit into a little cave where it gets its snoot bit by a bat and you infer that it gets rabies. Well, it says, the dog turns to camera and says, to have rabies. (laughs) Rabies! He says, Jordy, what is it like to lose your mind? And you go, dude, there's no Jordy here. That dog's crazy. The dog's um, fucking yeah, lost so, his mind. So there's just the boiling pot, like you're aware this dog has rabies. And then way more than I remember or thought, you don't worry about that for a while. So we for, set up yeah. yeah, all this human drama before the dog actually snaps, although you see it getting sicker and sicker. I think it's like 45 minutes before yeah. Cujo actually goes full on Cujo. Of a straight 90 minute movie. Yeah. yeah. Um. We meet Tad, uh, Daniel, I think is his real name. He's a little kid. He's scared of the dark and monsters in his closet. A common king trope. 
Um, you know, he flicks off the lights and runs under the covers. He calls his parents. They have to say special magic words to banish the monsters. He's scared of monsters. It's that simple of an offer, but it works, right? Because you already know he's going to have to face a real life monster. A and rabid you get the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And you get the feeling that it's, oh, it's a happy family. One that covers its, you know, all categories of Americana check is all That's I'm right. saying. Like many sitcom dads in this era. This is not a sitcom, but still. Dad writes jingles for commercials and shit like that. I'm thinking city slickers. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It was a popular thing at the time, like baking for a, a female pro tag was at certain times. Uh, yeah. Anyway, dad writes like uh, he designs full designs. Now, I shouldn't belittle. He does a whole campaign with like the professor who tastes cereal and tests it and says it's good. Right. And it's like the Ronald McDonald and it's doing very well. And it's what the family relies on is his work with this ad campaign. He seems like a decent dad. Mom and dad seem like they get along fairly well. But then you start to pick up on little tension and you notice that there's this very swarthy bearded neighbor who comes around a lot named Roger. And yeah. That he and the wife Steve. sort of have lingering Steve glances. Steve is his name. Oh, I thought, sorry. Steve. Steve. I don't know yeah. why. I guess I'm thinking of your dad, the famous Lothario, <laughs> Roger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's based on my dad. Way uh, who is played by Christopher Stone, which mm, will become important later. I don't later. know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, then you see that he like plays tennis with him and he works as like a carpenter and does odd jobs for them and shit and works on his like projects and is clearly fucking his wife is where I'm going with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. And then we cut to, to confirm him blasting a note on the trombone to symbolize, Hey, I just fucked your wife wherever you <laughs> yeah, are. Dude. <laughs> fucked her. Fucked her <laughs> I do love, there's this one little bit that like the first scene before we even understand that they're fucking and there's an affair that there's a previous shot where D Wallace, who is Donna, the 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 wife of the wife Vic, and mother, the wife and mother, um, is like overcompensating and very cold to the Christopher Stone character, like she's doing this in order to be obvious to keep Vic, uh, you know, like not wise to it's scent, like I don't you like know? your friend Steve. Like you know, he like, sucks. He's, he's I think shitty. you do protest too much. Yeah. Yeah. But in fact, he is indeed a Roger, as you said. <laughs> he Rogers her. Um, yeah. The local mailman tells dad where he can get a deal on some car work. And that's how he ends up at Joe Camber's farm, uh, where he and the and Donna go. Donna runs into Lady Camber out back and we see that she's a little shy, but not really weird. Um, she's right. polite enough and she sees the dog. It looks menacing at first, but they assure them it likes kids and. Uh, he pets the dog, you know, everything seems fine. And it's yeah, like it's... reverse horror where you're like, oh, everything's fine. I love there's this moment with mm -hmm. uh, Vic where he goes like he's contemplating if it's like, is it fine? Like staring at Kuju, is it fine if I leave my family with this dog? With a large dog. Yeah. And then he goes, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. <laughs> he yeah, literally yeah. says that line. It feels and like an arrested development moment or something. Tracking the rabies, we just see that Donna notices that Cujo has a little bite on his nose that's like putrefying, but he's not acting right. weird yet. Yeah. Uh, in bed that night, uh, dad seems suspicious. Mom assures him our marriage is super good. You have nothing to worry about <laughs> at all. I'm not fucking guys, for yeah. sure. Uh, can me that trombone, please, honey. Before I go to bed, I have to blast it. You hear another one in the distance. What does that mean? Nothing. Um, he wakes up to find... 
that the cereal he created, the professor character for, that whole family of cereals is being recalled because of an internal hemorrhaging scare, like the Simpsons episode with the jagged so metal crustio. But it's not true. The, they Their formula had way too much red food coloring <laughs> in all of their cereals, so kids are shitting red, and parents are not buying it, and they're canceling the professor because of this. It's like an odd chain of events, but whatever. It's- it's surprisingly complex for what it is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. like I, I, I don't know why it needs. It's to be like this a specific. drunk guy over specifying a story. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 dude. This guy you works. Don't understand. He works. It. He made the professor. Let me tell you about the professor. Professor Ted cereal, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like he wasn't. He wasn't shitting blood. He was just red dye. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Calm down. Uh, uh, and then wife goes to Steve. Who's like, are we boning or what? And she's like, no, I decided I came to tell you it's over. We find out Steve's not cool, right? He's pretty physical and aggressive about like uh, pleading with her. Dad spots them angrily arguing out in the street. And Steve is like grabbing her and has his shirt off. So he can put two and two together. And he doesn't say anything, but you get a few scenes where he just understands that his wife is fucking Steve. (laughs) Mom picks Tad up at school. He has a head wound from a swing hit, and they establish this thing that he says to, although it never pays off, so I don't know why I bother bringing it up. Hmm. Overdone with gone. Didn't you think he'd say that to Cujo at some point? He never does. Anyway. <laughs> never. There's no puns in this movie, which would made it much better. There were rhyming scenes in that way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which is more of a modern thing, but anyway. Yeah. Um, he gets home. I thought Dad would confront her immediately, but he's just kind of like cold and standoffish. He sends the kid inside, so I thought so they could talk, but they don't. They're just like cold. Um, then Joe pulls Joe Camber, the guy who's going to work on his car, Pinto, pulls, mm. gets home in his truck and goes like, Cujo, you all right, dude? And it looks all bloody and gross and has mayonnaise smeared on its face and it hides under the porch. Oh, it's such a good boy. Like upset now. Yeah. I'm tired. You go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and I, I love the I love that the Cambers household is slight like I wanted to just for later, um, I wanted to separate the the idyllic comparisons of two different like kind of classes of America, like what we see in this movie. And one of the things that they do uh with the Cambers household is that they're clearly on the poor side. She won the lottery what she the wife buys something for the husband and in, he's immediately like we can't afford this and it's cold it's a very cold mean to, house. you almost get the impression he might yeah. hit her but he right doesn't. right and then she immediately asked to take the look here's what i want i want to take the kid and i want to stay with my sister for a week out of town and joe immediately uh it cuts to him talking with his bud about he's gonna sleep with women and drink that whole week and Um, and buy baseball tickets and buy baseball (laughs) tickets because america baby and so it's just very interesting to me that we see the kind of infidelities of both like two families going on but like i'm i don't know like i want to hash it out with you later yeah i I have no idea if the book does this I don't but know. But this has story, it's unexplored in this film, has the makings of like a parasite where, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. the where the lower yeah. class people are also driven rabid by desperation and right. it's all a metaphor for capitalist depression. Like but all those makings are here and we'll would have see. made it so, so cool. So cool. <laughs> yeah, anyway. but the movie doesn't really do that. 
In another infidelity, Steve returns and he and Donna have kind of a struggle as he tries to kiss her and Vic walks in on the aftermath. And at this point, Vic is like clearly suspicious, even though Donna denies it. His change in behavior basically signals to Donna that he knows. So she basically over some few scenes, she comes clean. Just and admits she says, it. Yeah. It's over. It's just over. Okay, yeah. so let's just move on. And he's clearly not over it. He has barely had any time to internalize it. And he tays. And at the same time, because of the you know the work, you know, kids shitting blood thing, mm. he has he takes a ten day work trip. So he's gonna bounce. So now because we have in order to think up new ideas for how to sell cereal, you have to travel around with your business partner. You know, Abe, how when we write yeah, our yeah. when we break stories, we let's travel all the around road, the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just fucking Get jockey it out on yeah. some late nights where we drink coffee and talk and chat about the problem. You know who's um, not there? Our fucking kids and wives. Our kids and wives That's aren't there the for trick. sure. Yeah. Uh it's yeah, very funny. Uh so we see this kind of comedy of errors forming where it's just like everybody is leaving except the the principal players who <laughs> like hey. And of course, if you know the premise, you're like all right, having a maneuver uh, this baby. kid. This kid's going to be maneuvered go. to this dog and all the protective layers will be coincidentally stripped away, mm-hmm. right? Unprotected kid with rabbit dog. It does have that happen. vibe. Like That's this movie the is the movie is kind of like the orchestra tuning up for the first 45 minutes. It's a little like final that. destination with rabies. Yeah. Exactly. So back at be. the Cambers property, Cujo basically at this point has turned rabid and starts growling at the Ch- Cambers boy. I forget his name. Brett, maybe. Joe's kid, it, Brett. Yeah. Yeah. It takes 45 minutes, I think I mentioned, for Cujo to like attack anyone in this He movie. does not attack this kid. No, he just kind of, we're slowing, we're showing the slow roll of like, it takes about four days for him to really get fucked up. Um, And by that point he gets really fucked up. Uh, So we get more scenes with basically 45 minutes in the movie. He does attack Joe's alcoholic neighbor, the guy he was talking about baseball with and Cujo just rips his throat out. There's a few shots that they kind of grapple. That must've just been so fun to shoot on yeah, set. Yeah, yeah. Just roughhousing with the dog. It's clear. He probably has just like peanut butter on his neck or something. Um, so yeah, he's done and we kind of lips time a little bit and Joe finds his neighbor's dead body uh, like a bit later, like maybe later that day and surprise double attack. Cujo still there takes his next victim, which is the, the Joe Chan- Camber mechanic. Yeah. yeah. And he, and this time it's down in an ellipse cut literally where they cut right out of Cujo jumps at him from the darkness, which this film does several times. Um, then back at the Camber's house, Don and Tad have kind of arrived and they mentioned there's a new car issue. Um, it's like a very, greasy and bloody Cujo tries to basically attack them through the window. And, and when you the, know it, the problem that they brought the car over to fix right. gives up the ghost just as they pull to a stop in front of Joe's house. So yeah. they, we have our premise now, mother and small child in shitty car that won't move a rabbit right. dog, a yellow yeah. Ford Pinto Pinto. Yeah. Yeah, and Donna kind of acts quickly, shuts the windows, closes the door, but now they're locked in the car and it just won't start. I thought the attack was pretty well done. 
like with the crying of the kid, the honking of the horn, D Wallace like is screaming, and this just very angry dog from all shots. So it's kind angry. Of a, it's very terrifying. Someone get this. Whose dog is this? So Donna and Tad like stay the night in the car, and the camber's phone we hear ringing and ringing and ringing. So we know that p- people outside are looking for them. But eventually, it's got to be like it's it's now a movie that's about the next. 48 hours right of course yeah yeah exactly so there's a bit about like oh we'll just wait for the postman and i love that they cut to an almost like overly efficient scene Uh where immediately after that it shows like cut to the post office and then it's just like like, i gotta deliver a thing out to the old camber place and he goes i'm going over there i'll take it for you but i'm going eight hours from now like i'm not going now that's fine that's great dude End of and scene. also, you don't you, you don't have to do this until further notice. You can just don't do it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe I won't. Maybe so I won't. After, <laughs> so after some time, D. Walls tries to get out of the car to find like a weapon. She sees the she sees bat. A, yeah, baseball bat. Yeah, and I love that the dog is sneaky in the scene where he's like hiding behind the car. He knew to hide from Dude, her multiple kids. times. This rabid dog. Sneaks up ninja style on people where it's inches away from them behind them and they go, Oh shit, Cujo's there. It's a yeah. dog that's out of its mind. How is that possible? It's losing its mind and, and it's, it's doing like pincer God, moves. Go. It's fucking Slow. awesome. Got you. Yeah. Got you. I'm fucking Cujo, bitch. Uh, Cujo attacks her basically. Rips her uh, up a bit. Yeah. Rips her up a bit, bites her leg pretty viciously. Uh, but she fends it off with the thermos, which I thought is pretty good. Like if I had, like what's a in my car? That I believe is full of Tad's pee. <laughs> yes, Be- yeah, because he had to pee. So in a way, uh, she's she's claiming dominion and territory over the dog. Yeah, you know, beat you with my, pee, my, my child's pee, yeah. piss, my spawn's piss. Uh, yeah, there's probably some black magic going on. Mm-hmm. At this point, we see that like it's two days. Of yeah. not answering the Which phone, is also basically. long enough for dad to bail on the ad campaign, tell his dude, I care more about my family than I care about yeah, this. I'm gonna so now on. you have a reverse ticking clock where you're like, oh, he's got to get there fast. Oh, I hope time. he gets there, right? Is the man going to arrive? Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, also yeah, another true. thing that's oh, yeah, we'll happening get into in it. 1983. Um, so then we add a double ticking clock. So there's two reverse ticking clocks. Maybe Tad could show up and the dog has to die eventually of rabies. The other ticking clocks, though, are thirst, dog attack, and now yeah. they never even say if it's allergies or asthma. I don't know exactly. Panic attacks. I'm going to guess something asthma-related, given King's history of using that as a trope in his stuff. But right. the point is, Tad chokes sometimes. <laughs> he has a seizure from heat stroke. Okay. That okay. just happens, right. I think, yeah. to the body. So he'll he starts choking more and more, and you got to sort of give him, you know, breathe into him a bit and get him going. But the mm. point is like, we don't know how long Tad can survive the combination of heat and no water and whatever's going right. on with his lungs. Uh, Dad gets home. He sees that, well, first, sorry, we see Steve, who I call Roger all through my notes for some reason, <laughs> comes by to what? Try to rape her again? Like, why is he there? Yeah, but when yeah. she's not there, and you, I guess there's a, you know, there could be a symbolic rabies thing here, but it's not explored. Um, he just goes mad and he just, just rips up the whole house. So that when the dad gets very, home. Very unhinged. He naturally assumes. Yeah, it's like uh, Janine Garofalo in Wet Hot Literally American Summer. every room. Yeah, every yeah, room is. I would have loved to see it happen. To be, this man 
is a rabid dog. He is. He is. Say. He needs to be put down like a rabid dog. Um, so they uh, naturally assume that he must have kidnapped the missing mom and child. The cops are pretty lackadaisical about it. They're like, we kind of buy that story, but we're not sure. We'll put out an APB, but we're also suspicious of you. You know, not helpful as they tend to be, especially in horror movies, because it helps (laughs) add to the tension. Um, But they pick up uh, Kemp, which is his last name, and they tell him he cleared questioning and and they really think he's innocent because he completely admitted to trashing the house and all this shit and he is going to face consequences. But he said that he didn't see them and that's why he flipped out and they believe him. And uh, we cut away to the other place where they have sent a guy to check on Joe Camber house because they yeah, the sheriff. it was a lead. And the local sheriff or whatever, yeah. And he... Uh, gets at by Cujo in the barn who sneaks up on him. <laughs> gets at, yeah. yeah. And uh, then he... Well, the only important part is that he loses his gun. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's multiple times when Cujo tackles you, you instantly butter drop your gun. Like, that <laughs> yeah, has to yeah. happen, right? Right. Um, Everyone has a gun. No shit to Cujo. Now I'm fucked. Um, yeah. So uh, now they know, and you, you, the audience, are happy because they're headed over there because they know that that guy's been gone a while. Um, meanwhile, m- mom's got to solve, you know, Donna's got to solve shit herself because mm. Tad is in the morning completely unresponsive. So uh, Donna opens the door and risks it all to go fight Cujo, grabbing the bat from the mud, bat from the mud, which you know she's been contemplating this whole time. So Cujo was bitten by a bat and now he's going to be killed by a bat, which I did like (laughs) that Mm -hmm. sort of synergy. Um, There's some POV shots where we are Cujo taking bat hits to the dome that go pretty hard. (laughs) Yeah, they Uh, go really hard. Yeah, Like, I don't know if we've ever shot this kind of violence toward a dog. Toward an animal from the dog's point of view. In cinema. Well, that's not true. There's some pretty awful scenes in Chernobyl, but like, yeah, that's true. Just like visceral, like, oh shit, someone's actually just like patting a. There's sped up footage yeah. of patting a a, do, a little doggy in the face with like, uh, I don't know, cardboard yeah. probably. And we ramp it with what I would say is a pretty classic, well worn maneuver at this point. This whole three beat sequence, yeah. which is. Oh no, the bat snapped against his head. That just goes to show how strong and unstoppable Cujo is. You're definitely fucked. Cujo leaps on you. Oh, he must be ripping your throat out. Wait, he's still. Oh, you roll over to reveal the snapped bat went through his neck by chance. That sure is lucky and or you were resourceful at the last second. Good for you. Right, good for you. Um, So it's good. It's all good. It's and, good. and the man Cujo's gets there. Down. And yeah. I like that the film waits. It goes, wait, 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 wait. What does the dad think about this? So like, yeah, the dad's yeah, yeah. got to get there. The it's phone. not over yet. The dad needs to be so here. So dad right? gets there. And I mean, the second he enters frame and takes possession of his child, <laughs> it frees frames and plays music that I would argue really ruins the tone. <laughs> and then credits roll. Yeah, I would argue that when the, it's the sweetest, most whimsical music. The ever. music makes it feel way cornier than the film has actually been. It's not that like we're in cheesy. the f- fucking Shire. Yeah, or like reading me. a romance novel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only thing that you missed is that like that's not how Cujo goes out. Cujo does oh, go out from a. That's uh, how I interpreted the sequence uh, of images I saw. The, Cujo goes out with. Uh, she grabs the sheriff's gun, revives the boy. 
he's alive now in the kitchen. Cujo breaks through the window. Cujo gets shot. Um, that's oh, it. okay. She does stab him with the thing now. She does. But then yeah, there's another. The thing. Then it's he lives again. It's a classic. Because oh, yeah, she does the additional spirit. classic thing where yeah. this thing that she's hated for so long that she would absolutely shoot it to make sure it's dead. She decides not to waste a bullet on it. Like right. she goes, I assume you are dead. That's right. Yeah. I like I don't need to be. I don't need, I don't to, need be to be a monster dog. <laughs> I mean, I think we've I all had that moment. Horse dog. We're staring there, bloody gun in our hand, mm-hmm. almost dead dog. And we're like, do we shoot this dog? I think we've all had that. I think it's dead. I think so. Yeah. The fights in this movie are pretty brutal. Like the dog wins every time, except for the last time. Uh, the hardest thing the is Victor is justifying that against like a grown man with a gun. Right. And they don't do a terrible job. They don't. I also wrote um, that I think the actual fight sequences, like the shark attacks, why you come to the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Uncut gems vibes, really good sound design layering to do tension. Yeah, super good tension in the attacks. I think the attacks are highly effective. If you can let go of the idea that, you know, I'm probably not right. Like a St. Bernard probably could really fuck me up. But I'm but I've seen Velociraptors and shit now, so it's hard for me to you know what I mean? Like if yeah. you if you can get into it and be scared of a Saint Bernard that's attacking you. That's yeah. Then <laughs> then yeah, the fight the attacks are really good. Cinema's poison. You've right. watched too much movies and you're like, this is mid now. I don't care. Well, Anno, I I question how long the I don't know, but how long a rabid animal keeps its strength? Like, I would think Cujo would also be suffering organ failure and shit. I don't think you, like, stay dog strong while you slow die of rabies over days. I think right. it <laughs> degrades your faculties. I'm sure somebody out there knows how rabies I'd love to affects know. a dog. Please let but us know. not in Cujo. They're going to okay. take liberties, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to take this liberty to move us to the next section. Yeah? Yeah? It's not a liberty if you ask. That's true. Skeleton crew! Be free! Something in the mist! Shut the doors! Shut the doors! Here's where we're going to talk about the creative team and any interesting behind-the-scenes trivia that, like, come up. Um, Yeah, I got a a bit, actually. Um, I'll just, well, notable, we mentioned D. Wallace, who Stephen King said he think he prefers this or whatever favorite female lead in one of his things he said at some point including misery which is saying something so and i do think d wallace did good i don't know stephen king just spoke highly of it also daniel hugh kelly and danny pintaro i don't know anything about those people who they are but they're in this and then it was written the screenplay was written by king in collaboration with two others uh don carlos dunaway barbara turner and it was directed by Louis Teague. Now, all these people did not ring huge bells for me. The only thing that did is the director of photography, Jan de Bont. Ding, ding, Jan ding, Bond, ding, ding, baby. Ding, ding, We're talking speed, twister, minority report. That guy. Yeah. yeah. Also the DP at this time. And he went on to make uh, Die Hard, I believe. Die Hard. Yeah, I think Jan yeah. de Bont. If I could was... take a liberty with facts. <laughs> take a liberty with Die Hard. Uh, the only thing I'll mention that Louis Teague has uh, signed up for the King Crew um, because he also did Cat's Eye. Uh, he also made this out of control. His, like, I think debut was Alligator, which if anyone ever watches, it's an insane movie. And it's, it is what got him this. 
but it is a very creature featurey. Like this is the era. This is like the mm-hmm. beginning. You know. So this is for King. This is I'm coming in with all the weirdos. Um, oh, dude, and, this is the era. That's one of the yeah. factoids I wanted to mention is uh, the like quicksand or having your identity stolen or whatever. Something viral must have happened or there was a real dog attack or just right. a bunch of people saw Jaws and were like, you know, a cheap version of that is a dog. But regardless, dog. this era was rife with movies like this. Yeah. So uh, this movie was just part of like a movement, including 1976's Dogs, which is about a dog attack. Dracula's Dog in 78. The Pack in 77. Mongrel in 82. White Dog in 82. And Cujo in 83. And then Rottweiler Dogs of Hell in 83. So yeah. we were like all about dogs going to get you. 3D. Yeah. Yeah. In about eight years, mm. there were seven like demon dog <laughs> movies, which is ridiculous. Dog, bro. Also came out the same year as Christine. So it's the dogs, car cars, movie. and yeah. it's the same basic formula. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this movie, I think, does kind of stand above in a way like i don't know like we'll we'll get into a little our opinions later but like the yonder bond thing mm-hmm. i was vibing on with this movie i had not seen it before like you know a few days ago and it like holy shit this yeah. movie does kind of rip um in terms of like just scene to scene like how terrifying they actually make a dog um, yeah. Another thing that I, I mentioned kind of weirdos and just like while we're talking about like who was in the movie, the D Wallace and the Christopher Stone angle. Right. They were. So that's Steve. That's the affair. Right. That's okay. Donna and Steve. They were both. I think they met or maybe before on the howling like they were a duo for some time in the 80s and they were also married during this movie. So it's just strange that the more I study old horror movies, it's like a bunch of weirdos having like just the time of their lives, Mm. like Carpenter as well. Like if you look at all of his crews and his casts, especially through the 80s, like it's just small batches of tightly with knit like like uh, weirdos. Right. Like, uh, by the way, Carpenter also passed on this movie. Patreon.com slash small beans, a small (laughs) cadre of tightly knit weirdos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Carpenter didn't think this movie was particularly good when he read the script. He was just like, nah, (laughs) which that's fair, but he went with the car one. He was like, but yes to the car. But I will do the Christine. No to the dog. (laughs) Uh, I love some aspects. Maybe he didn't want to work with an animal. Yeah. That is a Maybe real thing. That's a real thing. People have preferences uh, about that. And in that vein, the dogs featured in this film would often have their tails tied down to their legs because the dogs would enjoy themselves so much that they would wag their tails during filming. In the very first uh, attack, they missed it. And when he kills the drunk a guy, he is boy. very happily like playing with him, which is kind of silly. Uh, and I bet they kicked them. I bet they're like, that fucking sucks. That's our first shot that of sucks. the attack. But that's, that's what we have. This sucks. Yeah. We suck right now. Uh, and yeah, speaking of the, considering that the animal actors are valued members of the cast, uh, I think it's of course always sad that like the St. Bernard did die. Like the one that you see the most died of bloat, which is, you know, twisted stomach, which has to be related to doing all this strenuous shit. And stunts and probably. shit. Probably. Probably. But that yeah, sucks. Stress. I hate that. Uh, I hate very that. sad. And since it's a horror movie, I, I let that flow into my brain, you know? 
Like yeah, I was like, this dog is really terror. dying. Yeah, it yeah. adds well, it adds fucked up feeling if you grant it into your. But that was like after the movie, though, right? That was well. Like I do, I do my research before I watch the movie usually, so mm-hmm. I had it in mind. Um, and then I don't know if this led to the the bloat. You know, it's interesting yeah, that yeah, he got yeah, yeah. twisted no, stomach. Too- That's also what Santa's little helper gets. <laughs> and then I was also well, just speaking the dog's point of view, the scene that wrecks me the most, like I actually. Uh-huh did cry was the scene that we mentioned with the Joe Camber boy, Brett. And we didn't mention how it's fucking foggy as shit. And he says like Bart does to Santa's little helper. Come on, boy, it's me. You remember me. And you see the dog. I mean, it's editing tricks, but the dog remembers that it's barely can tell. Oh, it's my master. And, you know, brings all of its willpower to bear and doesn't kill him. And that's, really got me that's, like that that's yeah really no, it's a beautiful me. like it's beautifully it, shot too yeah I, I in my madness i still love you yeah. you were the one on the whole Very all sad. of the earth that was mine yeah you and me baby um but yeah my last thing is that that foam it really gross the makeup plan for how to show that rabies or whatever because mm-hmm. we want to dress it up and make him zombie like is they mm-hmm. just made this concoction of basically um uh meringue egg whites and sugar and smeared it all over them and threw like blood and shit on them so he just looks like muddy bloody cum goo all over his face and body yeah it's kind of like that's (laughs) not how rabies looks but like you know they were trying to do a demon kind of like uh well it's a very special case without cg imagine how hard it would be to continuously keep foam in a dog's mouth that's just such a pain you're not yeah that's not happening (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right, uh, that's all I got. Yeah, that's I think enough. Uh, that's rough. enough of that. Let's let's move to the next segment where we talk about like some more themic stuff, maybe some symbols, we'll see. some scene work. If you're good, we call it it. Bill, if you'll come with me, you'll float too. You'll float too. You'll float too. Well, speaking of good stuff and the on debant of it all. Uh, there's a couple really notable shots to me. The one that's the loudest, of course, is the Dutch, that 70s show shot where the camera swings Mm -hmm. around and around and around. And you want the impression of my whole life is this fucking car. And my kid is over there continuously screaming, just the horrible feeling of that. And every time you get to D Wallace, she's more upset. Every time you get to him, he's just continuing to cry. Just spinning. It's very, very effective. And I think especially effective because of the very particular, probably a difficult cam op like maneuver. There's like a swing beat. Like it swings faster through the empty space and slows down as it hits the actor and faster through the empty space. It's got a servo. It's a really good ass. It's really good. (laughs) It's really, really good. And I, I, I don't, want to overstate it because I'm so like hot for Jan de Bont. He, this is genius. Do you want to know how they did it? They took Mm -hmm. a periscope lens on. They made a pole like rig and stuck it on the top of the roof of the car. They cut a hole in the roof. Mm. So it's like a periscope that submarines use. Right. And then while they're standing on the roof of like they're the just station, wagon, they're just, they're cranking it. They're yeah. just cranking it. So it, the shot's great because it makes you feel dizzy and surrounded just like the boy and D Wallace. But like, 
the insane amount of like they had to dial in like the the beautiful movement of left to right, right, right to left, like the idea of like we pan over to her, to the boy, to her, to the boy at different speeds. And then let's finish the shot by spinning so fast that you are literally propelling. You're just mm-hmm. like on, on a propeller. Yeah. You know? like whip out. Yeah. And whip the around. ability to make a rig like a twister, like, <laughs> like just on like off the cuff, like, yeah, let's, I don't know, take a week and figure it let's out. Do it this way. Yeah. And make it look that good is insane. The craftsmanship mm-hmm. on that, because that's a super unique thing needed for only one shot. Why would you do yeah. that? Yeah. And, and there's then people a few were like, yeah, let's like that throughout. Like, this has been done before, but it's done very effectively here where the second the kid flicks the light switch off in his bedroom, his bed right. seems way further away and his closet door seems way bigger Fantastic. than it did really yeah. like seamless. You don't even know you notice that's happening, but it doesn't even occur for you to, to you for a second, how much fucking work that like they had to do a build or force perspective yeah. or shit to do that. Yeah. And it's just for that them. tiny this, moment. Yeah. This movie is full of little moments like that. There's a jib shot from like the top of the house overlooking the car after the initial attack that goes all the way to grant to the ground, lands behind Cujo, then rotates and swings around to his face. And he's just sitting there watching the car and he's happy and it's fantastic. But it's just like that is not only a smart shot because it sets up the geography and kind of gives you this haunting calm of like this, the everything is now motionless. Kind of like you mentioned jaws, like the ocean returns to its ebb and flow. you like, there's no more mm-hmm. violence, but it's also like, that is an insanely difficult technical shot to pull off. You're yeah. doing, you're taking a wide angle lens, taking it from like, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 feet up <laughs> And then dropping it down while you're moving over to a dog, continue moving and then (laughs) rotate around the dog, which is a tight little move. So like imagine the jib that you're on and it's just like that. And the animal trainers making sure the dog doesn't get spooked by the movement. Like so many people who worked so hard. Right. And it it turns into an it it turns into a close up and he's covered with like applesauce or the the (laughs) you know, whatever. I swear to God, dude, they get the they're like they get all the grips over and they do just the circle jerk on the dog. And then they're like, (laughs) take up Christ. Jesus. Christ. Uh, and also some of the handheld <laughs> stuff is great. Uh, I think you there's one shot in particular that is like the voyeur camera that we see when like Joe arrives at his home at, uh, and, he, and he's going to get attacked by Cujo. It's like the second kill. Uh, and it's just like it follows him and it f- does feel like Die Hard. I don't know. That's just a note <laughs> I wrote down. It was just like, you, you feel the voyeur camera that is diehard, which is this roving kind of handheld. And I love handheld. Handheld is great. It's an art form entirely in itself. Yonda Bon is one of the best. He's just, he just know, he, he has this momentum. He has this speed. He also has just, just like, it's working in tandem with the director, but it's like, you know, just the ch- shot choices change at a rapid pace. And you're mm-hmm. like, yes, okay, that this thing is moving constantly and I don't even feel like it's handheld. And it's like, this is, they now that would just be done with Steadicam and it would look very polished and fine. But uh, yeah, Yonda man in this era, fucking in his prime. Anyway, that's yeah. enough camera but, stuff. Well, probably. the last visual that really stuck with me that I'll throw out on the episode is just the the last kill the sheriff yeah. um 
the way they handle his death, and I'll say the most effective beats for the end of this movie for me were less like Jaws. Oh my God, it's spiting him. Like, ju- yeah. not, not always a jump scare, but even the dread of death, but it's on an action level. Um, mm-hmm. I had shades of like hereditary and funny games and shit. Like right. the, you don't have to go there. It's not trying to be super fucked up. But like I said, if you grant that the dog is alive and experiencing these events, that makes it extra sad. If you grant that the real dog died, that adds a meta dimension to it. But also, uh, there's things that I, there are a few choices that I think support that sort of darkness angle. And I think the most striking one is the way they shoot that cop's death is that he slowly dies in a like medium wide, really staticky looking near camera, looking shocked, like really yeah. surprised that this is that, that really a dog fantastic. bit my tummy up and that's how I'm Yeah, dying. it's like my, my stomach, my guts yeah. are in my hands and yeah. it's like, fuck, okay. Just did not expect the day to did go this way and it's great, yeah. that brutality, but they were like, yeah. yeah. And um, similarly, the, yeah. just a primal thing that always gets me, like see um, Bone Tomahawk for a good example, is when the person who's like scared or sad is pleading or like Miller's Crossing is another good example. Mm -hmm. So the Tad at the beginning when he's scared of monsters, I have a short story that starts with an inner monologue very similar, is just crying in the dark, lays awake all night. This is after his parents told him the monsters are gone. Um, Going, please, 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 please. That's so sad to me. Like a little kid staying awake all night feeling that way. Very sad. Yeah, I remember (laughs) when you pitched to me because you remember I did like that short for when this is a deep cut for those aren't muskets heads uh, and such. But like I made a short called Hole and Mm -hmm. Swaim wrote it. And I just thought you you won me over with a single pitch that was in the same vein of this very thing, which was just like, what if like. You know what is one of the most fucked up things I can think of? What's the saddest thing, Liabot? Mm. Uh, and it's just like, oh, a kid burying, having to bury his father kind of idea. Right, yeah. And I was just like, damn, that fucking, that's a banger right there. You know, like you could do that short film. And so like, yeah, it's definitely, I love the little moments that this movie does too. Because while I, uh, like just the D Wallace when like Tad Daniel uh, whatever his name is the actor but Tad is crying for daddy mm-hmm. constantly and then D and Wallace is like all right I'll get your daddy yeah but the like, movie screaming. twists the knife in good ways like he yeah. likes the dad more you know and but the yeah. dad leaves and he's left with the mom and the dad is the one that he believes can magically ward away monsters not the mom now all of the shit you could say is all right we Probably. like uh, like why would he got keep shitting on the mom but. If you consider it, I mean, if you give them the benefit of the doubt and go, well, because she's the hero, we're trying to shit on her and twist the knife because it's a horror. I think it's effective in that way. You really like she's fucked, man. This sucks. It's like it's it's almost the kind of horror where I could understand why some people wouldn't like this subgenre of horror. Misery horror where the imagination you're just like. It would be so awful to be in that. It's just misery. That's just awful. That's Um, just awful. (laughs) Like I, I always think of. Those, you know, there's those fly traps that are a bag that has a goo inside the bottom that smells like shit. Just like, so we had a really bad fly situation at a house and we put that up and it just sat on the balcony and I would watch and I, it's the closest thing I can imagine to what a, what hell would be. That would be hell. There were so many flies dead and alive 
that they formed like a, a soil that was a mulch of just dead no, flies. No. And within it, Eject. there were flies like being born, fighting to live, going like, why the fuck <laughs> am I in this bag? Dying, being eaten by other the flies and dying legions. and giving birth. Like it was just like the whole fly life cycle in this tiny shit bag. This movie made me think. Recall that memory. And I think that's to its credit since it's a horror movie. <laughs> You're like the Carl Sagan of shit bags. Yeah. It smells uh, like shit. It just smells like shit. And uh, I did want to point out because you mentioned they were like, why is this movie shitting on the mom all the time? At the time, uh, I, I was reading that publicly, she's talked about the scene. D. Wall's talking about like, being angry at at the kid and like being kind of resentful resentful and stuff like that and parents wrote to her and she responded and told told talked about this in an interview so you know take it for whatever it is but just like saying like only parents understand and you you nailed it uh it's kind of like the last of us yeah where uh like uh it seemed to skew that parents were like i totally understand dooming the world for my child and people who Mm -hmm. haven't had kid largely skewed I get it. You love your kid, but you wouldn't do right, the world it's, for them. You know, you wouldn't do, like, yeah, and yeah. parents are like, if you had one, you would though. Cause I it's get, just a per, like a feeling as a non-parent. I, I get both sides, but I do. I understand see that both could be the, possible for different frust- people. You know, I can totally see as a very human element, the frustration in a moment yet trying to protect them at the same time. I can see that being like, but a human mind's totally capable of sacrificing. Oh their yeah. Child you for justify greater purpose. Look at Isaac and Abraham evils. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, I want to talk about how overall to me, and I'm sure you agree. I hope you agree. Uh, this is my thought on you. Uh, I think this is movie more or less is missing the mark. I don't think they're connecting. Like they have two subplots simultaneous. It almost seems like a slam dunk that they're going to thematically connect the two. And I don't think they're connecting the adultery subplot and the dog attack. Ultimately, I think that, if yeah. I can think of anything the dog represents, I don't know what I, I can't think of what the dog it's not. Represents. It's not. And I think we would be doing it a disservice to just make kind up of. conspiracy theories. Yeah. It's just supposed to be what if Jaws was a dog and you can tell that that's all it is. And in a lot of cases, that is OK, but it's almost like cooking a dish. If you're only going to present two ingredients, they have to be absolutely perfect. And right. it's not absolutely perfect. So let's talk about like, yeah, yes. what throws it off? And I'm saying one way, which we mentioned they could have solved it is more ingredients. Like, you know, with the modern sensibility, having seen stuff like Nope and whatever we're like or Parasite, we can say yeah. things like we'll make the dog mean something and tie it all together as like an essay. Horror like, wasn't but, that. That's but horror wasn't invention. that at this time. So that's so you don't right. So it's totally obvious to me why they didn't do that. In fact, it probably wouldn't have that would have made a flop. It's not the kind of thing that like we need to build intellectually towards that. There's just like get to the. But I'm like, it's also though like if we're get to the dog attack, if that's the goal, Ah. then why do you spend 45 minutes of this subplot about two random people I don't know and And maybe it's loyalty to the book. And maybe you do need that to fluff it up because it really should just be a short story, a dog attacking a woman in a car. Like that could be a short story. Um, My only argument is I do think if you're able to project yourself into the dog's mind, you're supposed to feel that dread of the rabies getting worse and worse continually. And I bet the book makes you feel that. But the movie can't. Really? I mean, it, it would have to spend a lot more effort than it does on making you f- sympathize with the to. dog. Um, but yeah, instead, 
where it stumbles is it fills the time with a highly traditional, shallow-feeling melodrama. Makes sense that Stephen King was just drunkenly getting some shit out. Like, yeah. I, the, the human part. Because it's a very clever, bankable hook and premise, and that's why he's Stephen King. But the human part is like, you know, he writes commercials, she's fucking around on him, and, spoiler, if people want to not know the ending of the book and film or how they differ, now would be the time, skip ahead or stop and come back. But spoiler, the difference is the, in the book, Tad is killed. And in this, everyone lives. Yeah. And what's dumb, and I do think problematic or stupid, really, in the cosmology of it all, of the book ending, and why King says he likes the movie ending. Uh, even though it's formulaic that it's a happy ending, you're like, you can mm -hmm. always argue that, right? If you're sick of happy endings, that's your prerogative. But if you just kill the kid... What are you trying to say? Adulteresses should have their children killed? And then what about the kid from the kid's point of view? You're writing a book that sympathizes with a dog having rabies, yet you would sacrifice the kid without considering the loss of the kid's life from its own point of view? Does that mm -hmm. all trans? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't hold together, what Jim. I love, like, it's not a good story if what, you parse it that way. What I love is that, uh, like, Stephen King is also like, I love that ending, Cujo. That's great. Totally works. Improvement on the book. Cut to 2006 or whatever. The I know. The myth. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, well, I had him shoot the child and it turns out he didn't even have to. And he's like, I like that too. I like That's that good too. too. I You're like that good. too. It's like he's he so doesn't chill give a like fuck. That. Yeah. And Kubrick called him and tried to be all mysterious about The Shining. And mm. then he saw it. And he's like, hey, I like that too. I mean, he's Stanley it's Kubrick. Fine. It's good, you know? I didn't yeah. like how he talked to me. He's a I dick. Did. He was rude, but it was movie. But it was a I good love movie. movies. I have love you seen movies. me in Night Riders? Yeah. It's almost like he's like, yeah, yeah, go and have your little fancy pictures. Go enjoy that, <laughs> Stanley. You I, know, go. I think he's actually tickled Obviously. To, to be yeah. in, to see movies made of stuff he wrote. Just like the way that it was magic for me to see stuff I wrote be acted by talented actors. Totally, totally. Uh, I think that held true for him through, still does I think to this it, day, which should. is fun. As he's kept that should. inner child alive, at least that part. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think he's, we're, we're just being facetious, but yeah. Yeah, but he I, tends absolutely. to be super into the movie adaptations with rare exception. Yeah, I do want to, but sorry again, Stevie. Uh, I do think that there is something to be implicit in what he's writing. That in his like, you know, probably drunken mind, like assembling parts that are still very much Kingisms. You know, like, I think there's something implicit in like there is a statement about irresponsible people like these people didn't take care of their dog. They could have recognized that he had rabies, but instead it rips apart a middle class family and that middle class family isn't idyllic either. Uh, like, I don't need a movie like this to have symbolic tastiness to have merit doesn't have but to it's, could solve it with yeah. other things but also the like hmm. yeah it's just not fresh or like good enough when it's not doing the yonder party like the music <laughs> uh by i want to at least credit him charles bernstein a at first i wrote this score is pretty damn good. I, I'm really in. I'm actually into this score notably. Yeah, yeah. Then after a while, I'm like, you pushed it too far and you're not letting up. You're scoring stuff too tightly like it's a Looney Tunes cartoon. Like when I take steps, the notes stop. are in Just tandem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Charles, now you're ruining it, dude. You went too hard. Um, and there's just a lot of stuff like that that just seems like, I don't know, standard of the era. Not bad. But it's, like, yeah, now it just feels like any 
late 80s early 90s you're absolutely right i think the problem was in format and the problem was at the time and just mimicking what everything was doing but like if you actually look at the notes and some of the like just tones that he's getting especially early on it's kind of like there will be blood a little bit i mean it's not screechy and uh, polyphonic as you know that the score you mean yeah the score the greenwood score is and there will be blood but like it's doing aiming for the same purpose trying to accomplish something that is like yes this is a beautiful moment that is also eerie why because i put music on it that made you Mm -hmm. feel like it was eerie that's all and you know that's kind of cool there's some good craft going on there um there's a lot of just generic king isms like the ad exec dad i wrote down like just the concept the city versus the rural like he's a city kind of folk you know even Mm -hmm. though that's entirely not true they live in a rural community but it's just interesting to me that like even at the beginning of his career king was reaching for that kind of americana level um the concept of friendly neighbor who's fucking your wife or you know you're getting fucked by uh it's just this idea of a tightly knit community where there is a haphazard kind of relationships that are kind of being deconstructed right in front of us offenses blah blah blah. yeah yeah i guess also mm, it's important to place stuff in time and put the onus on it that that time had so i should correct myself not late 80s early 90s early 80s Mm -hmm. 83 so even 83 so you know it's proto in some ways we Uh, have the yeah. yeah the concept of the indestructible like kind of family unit is on notice here right like, you know in the they find Stephen their way back King to way. each other i mean that's how yeah. the, the movie ends as soon as you're like well the family's back together i guess that's good let's get out yeah. of here yeah uh, and we have finally kind of like you know there's the father-son relationship and there's this also outsider kind of vibe that you got the town drunk kind of thing the person yeah. the cambers kind of family is like the the black sheep of the community they're, they live on the outskirts so he's just got a lot of these things swirling but he's not really like planning them and putting them in action like he does later in his career is all i wanted to mention um mm. I think there's a lot of interesting scenes that feel like they're not kings, uh, but are just kind of like people running with kind of like what Jaws was doing. Just like, oh, that nuance of husband and wife or that nuance of two people who are strangers talking to each other, having an organic moment that is unique and charming in a way um, that that feels like it just a very out of the seventies into the eighties kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's neither here nor there. He's, he's always trying to write about Americana and because it's the early eighties, he's updating his Americana to include yuppies, which is a new and prevalent kind of American. And it is core to the culture of that time. And there's also several beats prayer in this movie. Like it's always interesting to me that kind of like before he worked that out of his stories, because you see as Stephen King kind of progresses, at least his stories become less about faith than they were initially, I think. Um, But it was another way to establish the American tradition. I think that his Cardinal North is absolutely that Americana thing you're you're talking about where it's just like. That's where he wants to go. I'm an American. And I talk about American culture. And yeah. so I, and whatever so it may be. So she, she's obviously going to pray to God that the, to get her out of this situation, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that happens a lot, but I don't think that he's saying anything necessarily about faith. 
Uh, and definitely the movie isn't. The movie yeah. is just kind of like, that's just what you do in that situation, you know? Yeah. Uh, in any case, that's it for me for Kingisms. Um, I, oh, Kingisms. Uh, I don't have Kingisms, but I just think it's yeah. very funny that they're trapped in a pinto. Uh, so if you're aware <laughs> of that comedy trope, I obviously expected the ending to be that the car violently explodes, <laughs> yeah. killing the dog. Like yeah. Jaws. <laughs> like Jaws. Yeah. yeah Ooh, they bizarre. get the dog. Dude. The dog fucking body slams like Goldberg, yeah. like does this flying spear at the side of the car, just runs and slams its skull into the car yeah, door. That That's was the mechanical shot. dog. They just had yeah, a, yeah. On there's a rig. A, it's clearly not the real dog. But, but what did they did good. is they they cut shots of the dog running at at mm-hmm. from the reverse angle, and the way they did that is they hit its t- favorite toys in yeah. the car. Yeah, and said, That's "Okay, so go good. get it. Go get uh, it." Yeah. Um, and then all last for me is just as people who do read my sci-fi stories know, like I in real life have a big problem with like abandonment and loneliness is very dark and sad and triggering for me. And in horror, you're trying to be triggering. So super, you know, technique was ultra effective on me to have Tad as he's choking to death say oh, yeah. i don't want to be alone i just don't want to be alone it's like, unnecessarily he hard. equates dying with being alone forever and i will say yeah. that is to me the scariest version of the afterlife is eternity alone uh i know it's supposed to be eternity with four other people or whatever but i disagree sart <laughs> i, <laughs> I think alone sorry. would be way worse anyway yeah. no uh, I mean, and i'm like what a devastating thing line leave it to tad yeah. And with that kind of reminiscent thinking of death, <laughs> we mm-hmm. we move to our next section. Yes. And it's called The Stand. The Stand. The Stand. This is where we talk about where it exists on the King Pantheon in our eyes. These are opinions of Stantheon. the podcasters. Mm-hmm. We made a list. Of all the things that we covered, you get it. Where do you want to start, top or bottom, Mike? Let's start at the bottom, because I, because I, because of I, what I just said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, gonna... I'm realizing as I say that it, we won't necessarily agree on what half it even belongs in, because I do think this was a middle of the pack one. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. All right. So we let's start at the bottom. Find now. out. Yeah. In this. The worst thing of all for me is Salem's Lot, 1979. Trey boring. Trey boring. Trey boring. Uh, to me, and we're at 25 at this point, by the way. Oh, sorry, 25. You're right. Right, you are. Yep. 25. Uh, at 25, I have Michael Jackson's Ghosts. A hee hee. A hee. I'm glad to hear you've stepped back from that bit with which you ended last episode, marring our stand list forever. Uh, my 24 mm-hmm. is Michael Jackson's ghost. <laughs> uh, my 24 is maximum overdrive. And uh, it's just because Stephen King called me and he was just like, mm. you know, podcasts are not a laughing matter. And so I apologize for my I jade. See, I see. Hey, Stevie, mm-hmm. I put maximum overdrive at 23. Mm-hmm. 23 is the mangler for me. 22 green mile. Dreamcatcher, man. 21 dreamcatcher. Yeah, uh, 21 to me is the Salem's lot, which, you know, okay. this is the, to me, that rounds out the, the mm. worst of the worst. <laughs> I agree, but I, with the difference of adding Green Mile in there. Number 20, Children yeah, of go. the Corn. Just boring. Uh, Thinner. 
I didn't love yeah. I didn't love it. Uh 19 Desperation. 19 The Dark Tower the 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 recent Pretty one. bad. We're still all Pretty, bad. Number 18 yep. The Mangler. I think bad but very fun. That bumped it up several. That's true. I maybe didn't give it as much credit for fun, but that's just where I was in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh I I said the same about Dead Zone, mainly cuz it's kind of boring. Yeah. Number 17 for me is the It TV series. It's good on paper. It's just not fun to watch. See, we always see as I've always said, <laughs> yeah. we see eye to eye on, on. 17. 1990 is yeah. it for me. 17 will always be Ziploc. <laughs> Number 16, Dead Zone. 16, Children of the Corn, for mm. reasons I think you yeah. mentioned. 15, Thinner. Feels like mean in a way that's not that engaging. Yeah. 15 for me is Pet Cemetery, the 2019 yeah. Well, still in the Recently boring covered. category. Pretty boring. I think it's Four, yeah. offensive. 14, Running Man. 14, Christine, which, you know, a lot of the carpenter heads out <gasps> there. dogs always... over car mm-hmm. for you. And for me, number 13, Christine. So we both went dog over car. Yeah. Bad move, Carpenter. Should have done the dog movie. Should have done the dog movie. People like dogs more than cars. That's just how it was made. 13, What's, I'm yeah. desperation. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of it. But uh, it just it just feels so middle of the road and so yeah. many wasted scenes. Speaking of middle of the road, Pet Cemetery. Now, my 12 <laughs> is apt pupil. Yeah, I placed that slightly higher because I put 12 creep show. Well, because you're super into Brian Singer. You've always been a big singer head and supporter. <laughs> creep show. Bastard. I did, number 11 is Dark Tower for me. 11 is where I put the Green Mile. I just love the Dark Tower concept. The movie's very rushed, as everyone says. Number yes. 10, Pet Cemetery 2019. That's way number, too... I feel like that's got to be dropped. Yeah. As I Number 10, it. I put at pupil just mm-hmm. because... Um, I don't know. I don't have to defend myself. No, it's you don't. About where Much Mike like Brian Singer. Uh, <laughs> now, I don't... I wonder if we will touch tips because my number nine is Cujo. I'm putting Cujo uh, above it because I'm putting 1408 at nine. Wow. Okay. Well, Cujo is definitely better than Pet Cemetery 2019, which is a reason I know that's probably got to drop. Christine and Running Man seem too low now compared to Pet Cemetery to me. But anyway, mm-hmm. I put Cujo there and I want to say it was a tough call. I did compare it head to head with Christine. Uh, it's clearly better than Pet Cemetery, more engaging. I think. It goes right below Creep Show because Creep Show is like competently made, but also zany fun, uh, and that gives it the edge over Cujo. It's to like me. sketch, yeah, horror sketch, yeah. yeah. Three extremes, no, but not as extreme. I mean, I love that format. It's a great format. So my number eight is Creep Show. My number eight is The Running Man, and I know you. We disagree on this. To me, that's the one that I'm like, kind of like your Creep Show. I'm like, this is just haphazard fun irresponsible and an irresponsible film to make <laughs> but i enjoy the hell out of it you know there's a fucking a guy who sings opera yeah the tone's just so different than the story it's so out sto- yeah, book, yeah yeah but yeah anyway, but i mean yeah. it's just an arnold vehicle so it's beautiful so seven still, one yeah. that i think you are, shh, don't give enough credit 1408 goes so hard and it's cusack hey i had it at so you have it at seven i have it at nine nine is my 1408 all right but my seven is cujo so like here we are kind of agreeing right swapping Uh, i just i give it the only reason i give it a slight bump is to me that the craftsmanship is on just a different level 
Um, cool, I love Yonda cool Bunt. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Um, all right, so now we'll just wrap Finish this out. shit out. Number six, yeah. Carrie. Carrie. Five, The Mist. The Mist. Four, Misery. Uh, Doctor Sleep. Three, Stand By Me. Misery. Two, Doctor Sleep. Stand by me. <laughs> One, The Shining. The Shining, still yeah, yeah. the winner. It's just you know, winner and still champagne. Chicken dinner. Uh, that's that's it for this. Cool. <laughs> Next time we don't know yet because we haven't decided. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying not to be as self pluggy at the ends because we're doing that start plate thing now. But do you have any like sneaky clue yeah. tips you want to dispense? I- I do, I do want to say for people who are uh, enjoyers of the Small Beans Network that uh, this comes out on at the end of uh, July 2023. Uh, that's the Cujo episode for everybody. Uh, if you are on the Patreon, you're going to get things to look forward to is we're going to have Daniel O'Brien on a frame rate at the end of the week uh, on Men in Black. D-O-B on uh, M-I-B on S-B. Woo! And then we got more episodes of uh, Star Trek The Next Futurama for you. We got more shooting threes to conclude their their new trilogy. Uh, they're, they're closing it out with Lady Vengeance. We got uh, Director Piece Theater by Adam Ganser about Escape from New York coming. There's so Ooh. much to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And about half of the things that I just mentioned. Yeah. You got to do the Patreon in order to get to even s- listen to it. So uh, enjoy the free feed, you freeloaders. <laughs> no, I, we love you. Uh, that's we it. Love you. That's all I wanted to mention. Spooky. Spooky.